All righty, we are going. Welcome in, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Frogs of War podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell. Alongside me is my co-host, Anthony North. We are back to talk all things Frogs after week one of college football, where the Frogs got that W in Boulder, baby. Big win. Great way to start the season. We're going to be talking about all that and more, mostly football for uh, the, the majority of the episode, as well as a few quick news hits, like such as TCU soccer, TCU volleyball, uh, an injury update on Chandler Morris. But uh, unfortunately, got to start off with some bad news, uh, a little bit of a downer. But this is going to be probably, unless you know I come on as a guest in the future or something like that, probably my last uh, podcast with Frogs of War and also probably my last week in general with Frogs of War. Um, I'll probably be posting an article of some sort, maybe just kind of saying bye uh, and talking about the transition because you are in great hands. Anthony is going to continue doing great work just as he has been for the past few months. Um, I can't necessarily speak on exactly what will come because of course there's going to be a little bit of a transition period uh, again, but this is, this is kind of what was expected whenever I uh, accepted the job after Melissa and Jamie stepped down because I was in a pretty big transition period in my life. I just started a master's program in sports journalism a couple weeks ago, which has been pretty hectic. Uh, and I also just accepted a full-time job doing social media for PixWise, which is a sports betting company. Um, so yeah, just honestly, as much as I love Frogs of War, as much as I love the community and doing this, I just simply won't be able to overwork myself like that. I wouldn't be able to put in enough hours to give you guys the content you deserve. Um, so yeah, it is, I'm pretty bummed to be saying it, but you know, let's, uh, let's go out with the banger, Anthony, shall we? Oh, no doubt. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bummed as well. Um, you know, I've can't say enough about your, uh, enthusiasm and, and dedication, uh, frogs of war, you know, I have enjoyed listening and, and reading all your stuff for years. And this last like six months working together has been, uh, has been an absolute joy. It's been a treat. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for you. I know this is, this is an exciting opportunity and, and a lot happening and, you know, excited for what, what Frogs of War has going forward as well. You know, we'll, uh, hitting our second transition in, you know, six months or so is not great, but, uh, you know, we've, we've got a bunch of great folks writing for the site and, and working. And so we'll, we'll keep pumping out great content for all y'all and, uh, keeping you up to date with all the, the exciting happenings at TCU sports. Yeah, for sure. All right. I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the nice little note there, Anthony. Uh, but all right, let's go ahead and get into some, some more frog sports there. Yeah. Enough about you. Let's. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. Enough about me. Let's talk frogs of war. Let's talk horn frog <laughs> football. Let's get it. Um, but yeah, uh, no, seriously though, I do feel kind of bad. Like you said, the six months again, another transition, but it kind of was the plan when it started, but now that it's real life, it's just, man, you know, but all right, let's do it. Some quick news hits starting off before we get into uh, football. Let's hit some TCU soccer, which last week, as you may know, we kind of, we gassed them up a lot and they deserved it. I mean, they looked fantastic. They were playing well, uh, just dominated a top team, Santa Clara. And now they're coming off, uh, a big loss to Duke and USC. Um, so, it was a bad week. Yeah, it yeah, was a bad week of performance. Bad week of TCU soccer. Um, and 
yeah, we, we we talked him up like it's it's this is a Final Four team. What, what here comes the College Cup bringing it to Fort Worth, and that may have been a little bit premature as it as it turns out. So, yeah, <laughs> in the midweek went to to Los Angeles, took on USC, and uh, just kind of looked sluggish. Looked like didn't really have their legs under him, or or maybe we're looking ahead to the big matchup with Duke. And it didn't, it, it was a, it was a three Oh loss. Um, kind of all around didn't look great. Um, then yeah, the big game Sunday night sellout, crazy crowd. Um, I was there, I was there with two of my kids, um, there at Garvey Rosenthal and biggest crowd ever, uh, for a TCU soccer game. 3,648. So, so breaking the record there, it was nuts. It was, it was, it was probably too crowded. Um, to be honest, you know, that it's not really set up to, to house that many people. They they did the job with, you know, moving people around for, for concessions and for, you know, they had all the, the portable toilets and all of that, but it, it was, uh, it was a wild crowd and, and exciting time there at the stadium. But, uh, didn't get the result would have liked um, a three, one loss uh, to number two, Duke who <clears throat> Duke earned the win. And it, it was, it was a good win a good but it's the kind of thing. Like you just, you're playing a team that good. You can't make mistakes. They're going to take advantage of whatever little slip ups that you get. Um, it's the kind of thing that this TCU team would normally you know, Minnesota makes a little mistake or, you know, they take advantage and, and TCU was on the wrong end of it. A couple of back passes and just misplays at, at between defenders and, and Lauren Collette and goal. And um, that led to the the two decisive goals um, to get, to give the frogs a loss. Yeah. And I mean, it's not the end of the world, although two losses definitely is a real bummer, especially early in the season. But Duke is a really good team. They are also one of the heavy favorites to make the College Cup um, to go deep in the tournament. But we're not done. TCU soccer still has one more big game coming up. They got Texas A&M on the road uh, on Thursday. So they're ranked, I think, 20. They're in the 20s, I think 21st. Um, So that's going to be a big game. It's always a pretty fun matchup when the Frogs play the Aggies. Uh, And I think if you get that win, especially on the road, that'll kind of get you right back on track. You feel solid going into that conference play for sure. Exactly. And I think that's kind of the key because I believe we start conference play against Texas uh, at Garvey Rosenthal, which is nice to start at home, but you know, Texas definitely not the easiest uh, team to play in in the first round, but all right. um, Moving on now, TCU volleyball got their first win of the season over coastal Carolina, but they picked up two more losses after that. And they are now uh, sitting at one and four to start the season. So not exactly what you want to see with a, uh, a new coach at the helm. But then again, like we said last week, they've had a pretty tough start to their schedule. Um, so I think this is just one of those situations yeah, where you got to give it time. It's going to take some time for yeah. sure there. And so it, at least happy to get that first win, kind of uh, get that monkey off your back and then and kind of move on with the rest of the season and, uh, you know, Better days ahead. Yeah. And although we're going to go super deep dive into football uh, for the majority, for the rest of the episode, really, um, 
there is just a quick update on the Chandler Morris injury. So if you didn't see, he went down during the Boulder game. And I will say at first, it looked pretty scary. Uh, it looked a lot worse than it came. It turned out to be. Uh, Brett McMurphy reported during or like towards the end of the game um, that the injury is not as serious as it was first thought to be. Um, and he's probably going to be out next week, which was confirmed that he won't be playing next week against Tarleton. But he should be good to go uh, and bounce back after that. It wasn't anything major. I think it was a sprained ankle, right? Yeah, I think it was a knee, maybe. Right. Um, you know, he he got landed on pretty hard and and took a couple of big hits there running around. So, um, yeah, certainly could have been ACL, you know, some, some yeah. sort of torn ligament that, uh, you know, maybe season ending. So glad to hear that it's not season ending uh, um, for him. And yeah, we'll see how the quarterback uh, rotation plays out um, going forward. And and if he's back for SMU, what does that look like? Is, is he back in the starting seat if he's healthy? Um, does it depend on how well Max plays against Tarleton. I don't know how much you could, you know, That's stock true. you can put in what happens there. So it'll be, there, there's a lot to play out and, and it's continues to be a, a decision that'll weigh heavily on, on Dykes and the coaching staff. Yeah. I was going to say that maybe it'll be one of those situations where if Duggan's playing really well, then you got to roll with Duggan. Uh, but if not, then make the change again. But yeah, you're right though. I, I don't think you can really put too much stock into uh, the Tarleton performance because hopefully even if it is a good performance, a fantastic performance, then Chan or Max will probably only be playing one half to three quarters. Uh, and then bring on Sam Jackson after that, once we get a comfortable lead. So before we get too far ahead into uh, week two with the Tarleton State matchup, let's go back to uh, Friday night, which was a super, super late night for all the Texans <laughs> in central time. Uh, at what, what time did the game end? Like, it was like 2.30 a.m., something like that. It was Yeah, that's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, I think I finished uh, – I, I think actually, no, that's when I got the article, po like the post-game recap was like 2.30 Central okay. Time. So yeah. I think it finished around like 1.30, 1.45-ish, which is still ridiculous. That's like some Hawaii football, right. you know, <laughs> like it's just nuts. But uh, either way, it was a fun game. If you stayed up, uh, you know, you got to catch the Horn Frogs W – um, so first thing, let's start off with kind of the biggest performance, uh, of the day or of the game. And that was Darius Davis. He kind of got the, got the, not really the offense, but got the momentum going a little bit in the first half it was truly the only spark of anything, uh, to get going in that first half with a 60 yard punt turn touchdown, which was very reminiscent of, uh, like the Jeremy Curley days, Cavante Turpin days. Like, I don't know. It's just. It was electric um, and also ended up going for, I think it was a 29 yard rushing touchdown as well. So big game from Darius Davis. Yeah. I mean that, that first half was very forgettable. So you're uh, can't be too much to blame. If you went ahead and just fell asleep at some point during that first half, um, it was, it was a completely know. different game in the second half, like completely so, different teams showed up. So outside of, outside of Davis, nothing, Nothing good happened on offense, um, but and and even on this kick return, there were several blocks that I think in a lot of cases somebody throws a flag just because it looks like it could have been a block in the back. 
um, or, or, you know, some, somebody's running down the field, they've got their arms up. Like I'm not, I'm not actually blocking here. I'm not doing anything. And it's the kind of thing that sometimes gets called and, and you miss out on the big play, but, um, we were lucky enough that the, the refs kept the flags in their pocket there and, and allowed that electric play to happen. Um, but yeah, it's it, only, only good thing to go right for, for TCU, uh, scoring or really anything offensively in the first half. Yeah, and overall, though, I'd say, I mean, obviously, um, just based on the eye test, the defense held Colorado six points in the first half, two field goals, which is pretty solid. Uh, I'd say overall, I was pretty pleased with the defense in both the first and second half, which you can't really say about the offense. They definitely came alive in that second half. Um, but I liked the three three five. It It seemed to work well. I liked the rotation that was going on. Uh Maybe would have liked to see a little bit more pressure uh, in blitz packages, but overall I was very pleased with, they came up with big stops and it seems like, you know, historically, uh, or at least in recent years, what's kind of been killing the Frogs defense is those random big plays. And although there may have been one or two on like a third and long that they ended up getting, um, the defense came up with stops when they needed to, you know, they got in scoring position a couple times, forced them to field goals. Like, so that was big, uh, especially to keep the momentum somewhat alive after that dull first half. Yeah, and there was a huge fourth down stop really early in the game where down in, in the red zone that it seemed like it it scared the Colorado coaches from taking fourth down chances going forward. I mean, there there were several other fourth down chances that the, the second field goal, they probably could have and should have gone for that one instead of kicking the field goal. Um, I think frog fans watching, were all happy to see them trot out there to, to kick it, um, to, to keep it as a one score game. But, uh, that was, uh, that was huge. I mean, getting, getting the fourth down stop, big momentum and yeah, it, it I really, the Colorado coaching staff and their fourth down decisions, it was like flashbacks to seeing our, our time, the last 20 years of, of punting, you know, Oh, we're down two scores with four minutes left. Let's punt. What are you, what are you thinking? Um, I, I think that it, it, it played into right into TCU's game plan. And I think it all started from getting that stop early. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, speaking of defense, just a couple guys that really stood out um, was one, D. Winters, of course, which we kind of all expected to be the guy um, or one of the main dudes on on the defensive side of things. And he ha- he just balled out. Uh, and Dominic Williams, who was 17 during this game, which you don't see very often, uh, not only was he 17, he got his first collegiate sack at 17, um, but now he is 18. I believe his birthday was on Sunday. Um, yeah. So happy late birthday, uh, Dominic. And yeah, he. I really like what I've seen out of him so far. Man, already chewing up that, that offensive line from Colorado. I mean, eating up the run gaps and forcing pressure on pass plays, getting a sack, um, really – kind of taking over uh yeah at 17 years old is is uh we we got a lot of excitement to watch from that young man going forward and and you mentioned d winners and i mean g- 
goodness, he was he was everywhere. He was everything that we expected him to be. Yeah. You know, I think I think we've been kind of pumping him up this season and and we've been expecting a lot from him and the coaching staff has expected a lot from him and um in this new defense he he's kind of has to be the leader and has to be the man in every situation and uh he he lived up to it 100% in this first game. Yeah, for sure. And the last uh last individual player uh I wanted to bring up before we kind of just go on some overall thoughts of the first game under Sonny Dykes um, is Sam Jackson. So he got his opportunity late in the game once the Frogs had a comfortable lead. Um, and, man, that kid can run. That's that's all I'll say. It's like he's not – I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's almost like you want to compare it to Trevon Boykin. But Trevon Boykin was a little bit more, like, shifty and could maneuver. Sam Jackson is just speed. Baby. Gone. Just he's just pure gone. Pure speed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was – amazing to watch uh i'm very excited with about his versatility and i kind of am curious though how the frogs can best utilize him because he looks and seems like he's an athlete like a true athlete that can go to wide receiver he can take carries in the jet sweep maybe so like i'm curious after seeing some of those you know electric plays from him if the frogs might start utilizing him in some other ways yeah i think so and i think the three quarterback question of just like hey is this just something dykes is saying like to not give it doesn't want to give anything away right or or is that something real and it seems like maybe it's possible that that's something real that that there are definitely going to be packages where jackson comes in and uh throws an, an element into the game that is gonna is gonna throw off and and it really forces opposing defenses to have to prepare for him um, as if he's going to get a significant amount of playing time. And that's, you know, if you can kind of take some of their attention away and and maybe they're not prepared enough for something else, that's, that's always a benefit as well. But you're right. I mean, however he can get involved is, is going to be, it's going to be a good time. I mean, they, they put on tape the, the trick play um, that kind of, the reverse that that led to a touchdown and that was exciting and it's the kind of thing where you can see them in the future running that but faking it and then throwing a pass or you know there's there's a lot of things that they've set up out of this kind of shown on tape that depending on who is out there at quarterback different it it can show a lot of different things out of it so um i think it's it's an exciting opportunity for the frogs going forward for sure yeah, I, I'm excited to see how they utilize him because uh, I don't I don't even know. I'm trying to think of a comparison, you know, like a former college player or even an NFL player, but he seems really unique so far. So I, I definitely hope they, they can get him the ball in some random obscure ways because I think that's kind of how he'll be utilized best is in those situations that you mentioned. Uh, so overall, though, the thoughts on Sonny Dykes, it was his first game. Uh, with TCU, first game wearing that purple polo on the sidelines. Uh, how do you feel? Just overall thoughts, happy, still some question marks. Where is yeah. your head at? Yeah, I think I'm maybe relieved, I think, uh, just because there are there are definite noticeable differences, things that 
he does differently in game than Patterson did. And that, that TCU's done for a long time. I mentioned the fourth down attempts. Um, but I, I think there's decision-making that is different. There's personnel, obviously that's different, play calling that's different, but um, yeah, definitely just kind of happy to, to come away with a win that, that ends up being a dominant win and glad that kind of could run it up in the end. Um, but the, the lack of, okay. So the, we spent all off season on this, this quarterback question and Chandler Morris earns wins the job. He's the guy, he's the number one guy and he comes out and that's, that's what we see. And I don't know if that's a, a Morris thing or a Dykes thing or a everybody's nervous for their first game thing. Um, but it was, it was disappointing that that version of everything had been building to this first opportunity and it fell so flat that that's, it wasn't the best sign. Obviously things worked out okay in the end and, and everyone came through and they, it's a big celebration win um but but some things to worry about there in the first half for sure yeah and i mean i kind of agree with just overall that was a big bummer kind of to see the slow start from chandler um and i'll just kind of put it on nerves because it was week one uh and new system new everything getting used to it but and i thought it was kind of funny during the game thread uh there was a couple people like a couple of people were just going in on Chandler Morris and it was almost like, yo, like, let's, let's take a chill pill. Let's breathe. There's, we still got a whole nother half to play. And then all the, there was one comment that at the end of the game that was, uh, I've never, like, I'm so happy that I was wrong. Go frogs. Like, so yeah, it was just like, it all worked out in the end. Um, so I don't know, like you said, that three quarterback system probably ended up just happening because of that Morris injury. I think Dykes was planning on rolling with him for the majority of the game until it got comfortable. At least that's what it seemed like. But I'm not going to lie, though. That first half had me pretty nervous. Uh, Like you said, like just getting that win is a big weight off your shoulders. You know, like you don't have to necessarily panic about, man, if we lose to Colorado, it's going to be a long season. (laughs) But it, that's gone. The worries are out of there. Um, yeah. Now so. we now we get two weeks, and then it's man. If we lose to SMU again, it's gonna be a long <laughs> season. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. we'll, we'll put that that level of nerves off for a couple of weeks. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't know what Dyke said said to the team at halftime in that locker room. Whatever it was, it worked. It was like they truly just looked completely different. They had a new pep in their step. Uh, they were just a lot more efficient with the plays they were running and everything. But um, so, yeah, that second half team was a lot more of what I expected to see off the bat. And it was, it was nice, nice to get the win overall. And I think my main takeaway is that I don't think we can be too quick to judge on both the negative side or the positive side. So this was game one. Yes. It was a power five opponent on the road. But and not to knock Colorado, but Colorado is certainly not an upper echelon power five opponent. It doesn't really compare to the kind of level that we're going to be facing once we hit Oklahoma, once we hit Texas. So let's let's be happy, but let's not freak out either way, you know, because, yes, there were bad things that happened. Yes, there were good things that happened. I think that's uh, that's kind of my main thing is I don't want to 
because I have a habit, you know, of just jumping the gun. So I'm trying to like keep myself tame, basically. Just be like, all right, we just we got to win. That's what it is. It's just a win. It's not like, oh, Sony Dykes national champion. Uh, <laughs> like, got to keep myself calm. So, yeah. And um, and yeah, you you mentioned the uh, the game thread, and uh, you know, anybody listening to this, you know, if you go to the site during game days uh, in the comment section. You know, you can you can just chat with the fans as and and one of us in there uh, giving updates. But really, it's it's just a, a fun place to kind of have some like minded folks talking about the game all together. And it the, the the game thread for this game was just kind of it was electric. You know, I was yeah. I was I was working through the Twitter and the, the the Twitter was popping and that was a lot of fun too. But man, I I, I was impressed with. Um, you know that the support and everybody the engagement on on that game thread people were really into it so um that was exciting to see i i hadn't really seen it pop off like that in the game thread in a while so yeah uh, I was, I was people are excited it. even the late night game they maybe i don't know maybe people are just stayed up too late but yeah yeah we had good. i mean there were commenters until the game ended you know people people stayed up they were in it um so yeah if you were one of those people in there Thank you. It was it was a really good time. Uh, I had a blast uh, working the game thread. I think that was probably because I've I've worked a game thread. This is like my third season that I've done one, and probably even for basketball, that's the most interaction we've ever had on anything. Uh, I think like at least game thread wise. I think the only thing that compares maybe would have been the March Madness game thread because of course I mean March yeah. Madness, you know. But it, and it was crazy. So yeah, yeah. It, it was nuts. Yeah, so. Uh, all right, though, uh, moving on from TCU's week one, we'll just spend a little bit of time uh, elsewhere around the country before we get into week two. Um, so first, let's start out with our fellow foes in the Big 12. Uh, and there wasn't really much to take away considering the majority played, you know, lower end programs. Uh, such, But I guess one takeaway from one of those games is Oklahoma State and Central Michigan. Is Oklahoma State a top 15 a top 15 team after that are you convinced i think there's just something weird about central michigan that just right? like throws oklahoma state off and like <laughs> yeah. they, they have to they can't play a normal game against each other um yeah i think i think the biggest fraudulent thing out of this is oklahoma state is still going to be a good team and they're going to be fine through the season but the the stat line for spencer sanders and anybody thinking a takeaway from this is that now he's on track to like be in the Heisman conversation. Let's calm down. Let's, let's, let's. We've calm already, down. we've already said our due diligence. I, I, I know, I know. I, I'm going to keep saying it. Uh, no, yeah, I, that's, I agree. That's though. the piece there. I think that the team's going to be fine. And, you know, they, they probably should have won by like four touchdowns and they only won by like 11 points instead. So. Wow. Yeah, it was a weird second half. I think they got outscored by like 15 in the second half. It was a 22 to 7 fourth quarter for uh, Central Michigan. So, yeah, really weird game. A lot of points scored. Not really exactly what you would kind of expect to see uh, from their defense after they finished in like the top yeah. five last year. Um, so, maybe they won't be as elite defensively as they were last year. But overall, I agree with you. I think they're going to be fine. It was just. Kind of a weird game. Um, and next one was a absolutely electric game to start week one on Thursday night. I was 
so Arizona State, um, which is where I go to school, they now, at least I did go to TCU, of course, but they had a game Thursday. So I was in the stands watching, like I wasn't even watching the ASU game. <laughs> I was just glued to West Virginia. It, it was awesome. It was just back and forth till the end. I kind of feel really bad for West Virginia, though. They, uh, I thought they had it in the bag late in the game. I thought they had it. They definitely did have it. They, uh, yeah, defeat from the jaws of victory, all of that. <clears throat> and the, so like six minutes left, West Virginia has the ball up a touchdown at midfield and <clears throat> fourth and one, and they punt. Uh, it's the kind of thing like you just know what's going to happen. You know yeah. they're going to get the ball and drive down and score on you. Like you can't do that. And of course, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Tied the game. Uh, sorry, I got a cough here. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but yeah, uh, then they have the chance to to go down and win the game. Tie game. A couple minutes left. JT Daniels out there. He hits his receiver through his hands off his face mask. Uh, and Bryce Ford Wheaton, who had been having this great game, uh, he's an excellent receiver, great hands. It makes no sense. It's complete nonsense that uh, that this would happen. Bounces off his face, picked off, returned for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, and and West brutal. Virginia loses. It's just it's a devastating way to lose. Yeah, it was really tough. Um, I, I will say, though, I liked – the way I liked JT Daniels fit in West Virginia, you know, we kind of talked about uh, in like the preview to it, how, you know, he may get his first kind of real opportunity because in Georgia, obviously that's a big run first offense, uh, which I mean, I guess maybe not anymore after the way Stetson Bennett played sheesh, but yeah. So I, I did like the way the JT Daniels fit with the Mountaineers. Uh, I think they're going to be just fine. The fact that they competed with the top 25 team, and they really should have won uh, in a hostile environment uh, was it was fun to watch, but it was a tough break for the Mountaineers. So um, and last but not least, around the Big 12, <laughs> I, I, this is your note. I'll let you take this. Yeah. One. Yeah. My note here was people seriously thought that UTEP would trouble the Sooners. So there was all this talk like, oh, one to watch, look out for a, a, a tight game from, from UTEP. I, I, it made no sense. Um, I mean, UTEP lost to, to North Texas at home in week zero. And Who then got steamrolled by SMU. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, I, people are still too low on the Sooners, in my opinion. They are – up there with they, they should be people's like maybe the fourth team to to sneak into the playoff yeah that they, they should be in that in that discussion and they're considered way below that and i just don't get it i i'm i'm giving the respect to the sooners even with coaching turnover and player personnel loss all of that they're going to be really really good and they're a very scary team and and they showed it and and demolished utep and on saturday yeah like i mean my thing is sure they had that coach and change in the turnover but i think they made a great hire venables was is a great <clears throat> coach um he kind of addresses maybe a lack of defense uh that they could build upon and dylan gabriel is a fantastic quarterback so 
yeah, I mean, as much as it pains me, Oklahoma should certainly be the favorite to win the Big 12, um, like just without a doubt. I mean, they've won, what, like six out of the last seven, something crazy yeah. like that? So, all right, outside of the Big 12, though, there were a few other big games, um, and we won't spend too much time on these before we get into week two because um, there's only a few that really stuck out, and that is, first off, Georgia-Oregon, which – I, I don't know what your pick was, but I picked was Oregon. Wrong. I picked Oregon plus seventeen. Yeah, it was wrong to keep it close. Yeah, so we, we were both horribly wrong on that one, as were a lot of people around the country. Uh, I guess there is a reason that Georgia was favored by three possessions in that game, uh, and man, Georgia looked like they haven't skipped a beat. Georgia actually looked like they've gotten a million times better somehow. It's like amazing. yeah, it's like the thing when those Nick when Nick Saban's Alabama went from winning games nine to six to winning games you know sixty to three, yeah. it, and it's like okay, we decide now we're we're way more talented than everyone, and instead of just like grinding out games and winning by uh, one possession, we're just gonna completely overpower you in every way, and <clears throat> it's hard to know what to take from this of like is this just Georgia is who we thought they were. They're obviously the best team. They're clearly going to run to the playoff and everything. Or is Oregon actually really terrible? Um, you know, I think I going into the season picked Oregon to win the PAC 12 and to uh, maybe be like really dark horse for the playoff. You know, if you just lose that Georgia game and maybe you lose by two possessions, but it's okay. They're they're so good and it's in Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. But they got, they got smashed so bad. I don't, I don't know that they can recover even if they run through the rest of their schedule. Yeah. Even if they're 11 and one with the Pac-12 championship, if all the other power four champions are 11 and one, then I think Pac-12 is going to be the one left out probably because of this game. Um, So yeah, that, and we talked a little bit about Bo Nix, but man, that just ah, bonus, dude. The Bodix experience was was everything you should have expected it to be. So <laughs> exactly. That's what that's what that's what I get for thinking it I would be any different. I saw a tweet that was like, "You can take a Bonix out of Auburn, but you can't take the Auburn <laughs> out of Bonix." That's funny. Um, but all right. So elsewhere, an actual good game, not a blowout, was Florida and Utah. Which, speaking of Pac-12 picks, Utah was my Pac-12 pick, and I actually kind of picked them to sneak into the playoffs at the four seed. Uh, and although I don't think they're done quite yet, I do think maybe if they go 11 and one, they would have a slight chance more than Oregon. Um, I, but who knows? You know, a lot of things have to happen. Um, but yeah, Florida looked pretty solid. Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson. Ooh, that, he is fun to watch, man. That's an exciting player. Yeah, that, that was my like, hey, if you're going to throw a dart at the Heisman, Take take this guy and he's a good pick. <laughs> he's he's now he's now in the I think he's in the race. He's got to be in the race. So I he I think there was a lot of like, is he actually good or is this just you know the backup quarterback syndrome of like oh you know Emory Jones let's get rid of him and we want the backup and maybe he's not actually that good. Turns out I I think it's if. Dan Mullen had played Anthony Richardson all of last season. He'd probably still be the coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. I think he's a really special player. Um, 
didn't get his full opportunity last year. And I mean, yeah, like you said, in the Heisman race, although it's only been one week, so like the Heisman race is hard to quantify. But yeah, I mean, his his odds to win went from like 40 to one to 18 to one after a single game. So yeah, I think Florida actually might be a dark horse in the SEC. Um, but you know, you always say that until they have to play Georgia or Alabama, and then it just all goes downhill from there. But no, I thought this was maybe the game of the week. It, it was really entertaining. Uh, really tough blow for Utah, though. Cam Rising threw an interception in the end zone uh, while they were. They had every chance. They had every chance to take it and just couldn't. And they could have. I was mind blown. I thought they were going to go more conservative, uh, try and get overtime. But I guess on the road in the swamp, you just want to get the touchdown and get out of there. I get it. But like, that was tough watching that play when they were so close and they literally could have just taken a field goal to go to overtime. But, and speaking of overtime, there was a ridiculous amount of overtime games. A lot of overtimes. Houston, UTSA, Wyoming against, who did Wyoming play? Uh, Tulsa. Tulsa. Yeah. Which that was, those are like not games you'd expect to be super amazing, but they were awesome. Uh, So another big one though, is of course Ohio State Notre Dame, which we got to talk about. Um, and again, just as I was wrong about Oregon, just as I was wrong about Utah, I was wrong about Ohio State Notre Dame. I thought Ohio State was going to steamroll them. I thought it would be a 25, 30 plus point blowout. I thought it was going to look like the Clemson Georgia Tech game. No, it was it was ugly. I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we felt. Fa- they announced like maybe right before the game started that Jackson Smith and Jigbo was out um, and Julian Fleming was out or maybe, in, maybe JSN got hurt. He like, got in Jigbo, in the game. He got like a, a borderline concussion on like the fifth play of the game. Or yeah. So, so that's the kind of thing of like, yeah, well, when, when two of your star players are out right from the jump, you're, you're not going to score as many points as maybe you were expected to. So I think, I think they're going to be okay and still, all over yeah. everybody else the rest of the way. But I think Notre Dame might be better than I'm willing to admit. <laughs> you know, like they actually held their own. Uh, their defense – offense wasn't much to be proud of, but, I mean, their defense held their own against what's supposed to be one of the greatest offenses in the past few decades. So, surprisingly low-scoring game. Uh, yeah, like you said, though, I think Ohio State's going to be just fine going forward, uh, especially once, you know, Jason gets healthy, but I, I still don't know what to think about Notre Dame with this, you know, like, are they just going to end up going 11 and one? Cause they played well against such a good team or like, are they going to blow I, another yeah. game? I hope they just it lose at least two more. So we don't have to talk about them in the playoffs. <laughs> like, I just don't want to yeah. deal with that. Like, yeah, go have a nice fun season, but like, please lose to like Stanford and USC and just, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm completely with you there. Uh, all right, and then another just electric game was UNC against Appalachian State, which, excuse me, was one of the most expensive tickets around the country this week, and for good reason. That atmosphere was amazing. Uh, I can't believe how the end of the game turned out. App State was down and out. It looked like it was over. They just gave up a touchdown on the onside kick. I turn off the game. I get a scoring notification. App State somehow scores a touchdown, down by two points. Go for the two-point conversion. They run the same play 
He was play. open. He was open. He the had first him. Time, the first time he was wide open and had him. Yeah. But second time, why would you run the same play? Like, I, I was blown away. I thought App State deserved to win that one after giving up, what was it, 40 points in the fourth quarter? God. Drake what? May is was like, man, he might be for real. Oh, like, yeah. He looked great. He did. Yeah. A surprise. But, yeah. And, and, one thing here is the ACC teams that went on the road to rival G5 teams. That's just a in week one, especially it's a very dangerous proposition. So yeah, this game at App State and C State went to East Carolina and very much should have, could have lost. Uh, the East Carolina kicker, poor, poor dude, man. God, he he yeah, misses yeah. a he misses an extra point. And then misses a field goal uh, that would have won it. <clears throat> and that's just a bummer. And then Virginia Tech goes on the road and loses at Old Dominion. Um, so it's uh, it's a scary thing to be a Power 5 team going on the road to your local rival that's a G5 team. So uh, we've got that to look forward to in a couple of weeks heading over to Dallas. Yeah, especially like that that Old Dominion game was that was also one of the most expensive tickets in college football, which was wild for Old Dominion. Uh, but yeah, that Virginia Tech that you, you saw the the field goal where it went over his head. Old Dominion scooped it up, scored it. Virginia Tech should have won that game, but as a college football fan, I'm glad Old Dominion did because it was kind of chaotic and fun. It's cool. All right, so now we're on to week two. Let's talk frogs before we go back around the country. Um, so we've already kind of previewed, teased it a little bit. Uh, frogs are coming home, got their home opener this Saturday against Tarleton State. First time we played the Texans in program history, um, which isn't too much of a surprise considering they just got upgraded to Division One not too long ago. Um, but, you know, even though they're an FCS team, we can't just treat this, you know, like it's oh, any other game. Let's just check it off. Like, bye-bye. Like you just talked about, you know, these local teams. I mean, I guess we're not on the road, though, which is a little bit different. But still, these local teams, they've got a chip on their shoulder. For Tarleton State, playing at TCU in Fort Worth is going to be their Super Bowl. This is going to be probably the biggest moment of their season, uh, barring any postseason success. But yeah, so it's it's a game. Although it's an FCS, it, it's a game. Frogs still need to come out, do what they do best, and hopefully they can run away with it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say I watched their first game against uh, Mississippi Valley State, which is um, maybe the worst team in FCS. They're they're really terrible. Um, so not sure how much to take away. Center. And and yeah, again, I I say watched. I mean, it was like on the the tv i had it like on the espn plus running while i was doing other stuff doing chores or whatever (laughs) like uh packing for my my work trip coming up but there's there's some things that stood out so like you said this is this is not like a joke football team um they they have some some real players and 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 maybe it's their Ah, they were in this game, they wore the black jerseys with the purple helmets. And it was like, they, it kind of looked like a 2008 TCU uniform. Um, So maybe it was that, that was like in my head, making me think even more about them. But, um, and, and they had a good crowd out and, and I bet they, they bring a pretty good crowd into Eamon Carter um, Saturday night. 
And yeah, so let's obviously the team won't take them lightly, but I, I think for the fans, don't be surprised if there's maybe the score is even closer than it was uh, in the Colorado game. I, I think that I think that's on the table. Um, I'd like to say TC, we'll get into to picks later, but I, I think there there's some some real football players here, and, and the first thing that stands out is they've got some some wide receivers that are like legit ballers. Um, just watching watching this game, some one handed catches, some Moss stuff where they they go over the defensive backs, and again, this is they're playing the wor- one of the worst teams in the country. So at their level. So, but, um, number seven, just guys to keep an eye on this weekend when you're watching the game, um, number seven, Jaden Smith, not that Jaden Smith, not Will Smith's Jaden Smith, but (laughs) Jaden Smith and number two, Gabe Douglas, um, Douglas from Denton Ryan, uh, had P five offers and was a four star coming out of high school. Um, so big time player. He, he ended up having to go Juco route. Um, but he's, he's not to be trifled with. I think he, he, he's somebody you gotta, gotta look out for. And th- these guys are both, yes. Uh, Jaden Smith is six, six, two, 10. Douglas is six, three, two, 10. Um, oh, you've got a note here. What? I do. I do have a note. Yeah. So I was going to wait until you're, oh, you're right. Though. I'm, I'm yeah. just like reading through my notes. I'm like, oh, um, but yeah, they're, watching these guys in this first game, it, it stood out that they were, they were very much clearly better than everyone else that Mississippi Valley could possibly throw at them. Yeah. So my note here is J- Jaden Smith actually went to my high school. Uh, he was in the grade below me. We were on the same basketball team, uh, JV baby. But uh, <laughs> uh, so I know he's a baller. Like he is, my high school did not throw the ball ever. And so the fact that he got recruited out of high school just shows how much of an athlete he really is at that position. Um, Cause he got recruited just strictly by going to camps and stuff like that. Um, and he originally went to Montana state transferred after being their like top receiver to Tarleton state to come closer to home. And like you said, he's already started out really well with the Texans. Uh, he is definitely to not to be taken lightly because uh, his size combination of size and athleticism is pretty unique, uh, especially at this level of football. Um, not often you get a six, six to 10 receiver in the FCS. So um, he'll be one to look out for. Um, and then another guy too, is their quarterback. Who's going to be throwing to him, Bo Allen, who he can throw it. He can sling it. He's got an arm on him. This is a Kentucky transfer. He was a, a three-star high school or three-star recruit coming out of high school. Um, top 20 pro style quarterback in his class and never really got an opportunity at Kentucky as, you know, obviously a current Heisman contender, Will Levis is there. So transferred. And this is probably, this is probably the biggest <clears throat> name that Tarleton state's program has ever had. Like, it, like biggest recruit, all that jazz, unless I guess you consider Douglas, who was a four star then. Yeah. Yeah. But at the quarterback position and to have, a quarterback that that went to an SEC school is is now your quarterback at the FCS level. You you kind of have to expect him to to stand out, and he certainly does. I yes. mean, he they do uh, they do just kind of chuck it. So there's there's a lot of 
okay, I, I I expect my guys to be better than your guys, and and Allen will just throw it up there. Uh, so it's the yeah, it's the office <laughs> offense of F it. I th- Jaden Smith, he's down there somewhere. Yeah, um, he's he's gonna toss it up and hope to it either you know Smith makes a play or there's there's pass interference. Um, so I I think we could be in for some of that where if our defensive backs are kind of just overrunning the play or or don't turn back for the ball or you know it it happens enough where this guy's going to throw it downfield and and there will be some pass interference calls so uh, you know you can get your boo birds out and start yelling mm-hmm. at the refs but it, this is definitely going to happen it's going to be part of the strategy that the Texans bring in i i feel like it, it was just in watching them in their one game yeah for sure um so any other really like major yeah yeah i mean my watching their defense again i i keep having to say this but like it's hard to to see them play against that team and then now they're going to play tcu so but against mississippi valley their defense was very fast and like nothing could get bounced outside they were they were eating up any of that kind of like try to run around um offense and you know, I, I obviously TCU's got better athletes, and and the running backs for for the frogs are uh, might have better opportunities there than Mississippi Valley. But um, <laughs> I would assume, I would hope, I I would like to think, yeah. But uh, you know, I I think it could be the kind of thing where you may not just straight up be able to out talent just on speed. Um, I say that, but you know, TCU kind of out-talented just on speed against Colorado. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. The other thing is um, much of the offense that Mississippi Valley got were kind of intermediate passes over the middle, a spot that that Duggan either wasn't really allowed to do or was reluctant to throw in, in the past. And um, so it might be an opportunity for him to uh, – a piece of his game that really – we'd like to see improve and, and that he could, could show some, uh, some growth there in that area. Yeah. So overall, um, I guess I'll, I'll ask you first, um, what is kind of your goals and expectations for just this game in general? Like, what do you want to see come out of it? How do you want to see us go about it? Everything like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the goal It's back to max. I mean, if, if the Morris injury is going to be, significant enough that um Duggan has to be the guy at least through the SMU game you you got to get him cooking um you got to get him some confidence get him you know in a rhythm with the receivers um really really feeling the offense and obviously he'll he'll have a lot of opportunity to do that against uh the, the FCS team here but get some easy completions get some deep completions just yeah, I let see him run around a little shots. bit, run out of bounds, run and slide. <laughs> don't, don't take any unnecessary hits because as, as much as we do like to see Sam Jackson, I don't know that we want to see him as the full-time starter, and we certainly don't want um, more injuries at that position. So that's that's my take is let, let's get Max working. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Biggest things is, of course, no injuries. Um, and I, I want to see, yeah, Max run wild. I want to see him use his legs. 
And of course, yeah, like you said, go out of bounds, slide, don't take a hit um, that you don't need to. Um, and then after Max runs wild, let Sam Jackson run wild, you know, see, see how we can use him, put him in some different scenarios, throw him in a wide receiver, throw him in a running back. I kind of, this is the game to do that if they're going to do it at all. Um, but regardless, Jackson will get his opportunity behind the center in this game, hopefully. Uh, and I just overall want to see everybody get some game time. Uh, you hope that in games like this, you do win comfortably. You do have that cushion to where you can put your backups in, get them some game reps. Uh, and that's that's what I want to see out of this. Get everybody some reps. Nobody get hurt. And I don't want to see any question marks. You know, like there's – I don't want to go into week three having to talk about like, man, we only beat Tarleton by seven or something like that. So I want to get away with no questions about the team's status going forward. Uh, and I think that's just kind of my overall goal for this one. So – Let's talk predictions now, though. Um, so the spread is TCU is favored by 37. And the over-under is set at 63 points. What are you thinking here? I think TCU covers and it goes under. I don't think I don't think Tarleton's going to score enough that this total goes over. Um, I, I know we talked a lot about the talent there that that they've got some receivers and they have a quarterback, but I think it, at the end of the day that the scoring is not going to get there and, and TCU holds them to, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 or 13 and then wins easily and, and covers the spread. That's, I have to think that that's, that's how it's going to go. Frog should score probably, I don't know. Yeah. 50 to 50 to 10. Let's go there. Yeah, I was about to say, I think my, like, if I had to pick an exact score, I'd say 52 to 10. I'm right there with you. Uh, with I think they cover that spread and hit the under, which for a spread that big, it's it's kind of rare to hit the under. But I think this is going to be one of those games. Um, and, yeah, it is a little ironic after just kind of talking about how they do have some guys. But the fact of the matter is TCU's guys should be better than their guys. And that's just – the fact of the matter, it's just plain and simple how it is. Um, so I, I got the frogs winning big as well. Now let's let's talk about around the Big 12 for week two. Uh, we didn't talk about most of the games last week because, uh, you know, obviously a lot of cupcake games, a lot of FCS games, kind of like how the frogs are going this week. Um, but let's start off with a big one, and that's Texas is playing at home against the granddaddy Alabama. And they are 20-point underdogs despite being a top 25 team. How are you feeling about this one? Is Texas back? Are we gonna are we gonna have oh, to have God. Texas back conversations? Are uh, they gonna cover this spread? No, no way. They're, they're, this is this is Alabama by yeah, it 28 at least. Yeah, um, I I also have Alabama <clears throat> covering. It, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of points. Texas is not back. We can't allow Texas to be back, and they will not be back here. Yeah, like 20 points, that's a lot of points against another top 25 team. But there is a reason they they did that. Like it started at 16 and a half point favorites. Now they're 20 point favorites. There is a reason. It's because Alabama's really good. Texas still has a lot of question marks. So we'll see. But you can't really take much away uh, from, from their home opener. So this is where you'll really be able to see stuff is against Alabama. See if uh, Quinn Edwards is ready for for the big stage um 
Elsewhere in the conference, we got Kansas State at home against Missouri, where they are eight-point favorites. See, I'd like to say I'm going to go with K-State in that one just because Mizzou is questionable. So I'll go K-State. I don't really have much analytical yeah. breakdowns on that one. I, I, I think Missouri is going to be frisky in this one. I think it's going to be – I would say Missouri covers this eight points. Um they look, you know, they look pretty good against a, a pretty bad Louisiana Tech team. But um, the the true freshman five star receiver Burden looked good. Um, Pete, who transferred from uh, Stanford, looked good um, and and healthy again. So I think they they have some players, and the. The thing that would concern me here is last year, Missouri's defense was the absolute worst. They were terrible against the run. They were down there with TCU. And uh, it's the kind of thing of uh, Deuce Vaughn could just, you know, he could score four touchdowns and and easily cover the spread just by himself. So that's what you're worried about there. But if I'm picking, I'm I'm taking Mizzou plus the eight. I could totally see that. I I really don't know how to feel about that game. I'm just – I don't know. Yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, hey, how's Mizzou going to win, though, without Sean Robinson on their roster? <laughs> they got to have Sean at, there. Man. At, at what, linebacker? or? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, though. Uh, next up, Texas Tech. This is very interesting. I love me. this game. This game is very awesome. interesting. Texas Tech, two and a half point favorites at home against Houston. I. Personally, I think this line might be a little bit skewed. I don't know what it opened at, but it might be a little bit skewed based off Houston almost losing to UTSA. Which, you know, it shouldn't because UTSA yeah. is pretty good, and that game was in San Antonio in the Alamo Dome. And I, think UTSA I mean, this game's on the tech. road too, but I, I yeah. I don't I know, really and, like and – um, you know, Texas Tech also had a their starting quarterback Tyler Shuck, Shuff Show. So, he, yeah, he got Shuff injured Shuff. and is is not going to be in this game. So, um, you know, Smith came in and looked really good. So, is it the same kind of thing like we're talking about TCU, where you, you've got a you've got an easy backup that that steps right in and and you don't miss a beat? I I don't know, um, and. Yeah, I think people were probably scared of Houston now and maybe thinking, you know, there was a lot of hype and and we liked him a lot going into the season. Uh I you know, I'm picking I'm picking Houston to win this game. Yeah, I think this is a very weird line. Like the fact that Tech is favored is kind of surprising. It's uh, like just a pure home field advantage thing, I think. Yeah. This game is in in Lubbock, so you know, for it to be uh, you have to think at least two and a half points worth of to have to travel there and and in that environment so yes i think this is a really toss-up game and and give me houston yeah weird things happen in lubbock uh especially at night so i could totally see that but yeah i agree i think this is one that you kind of just don't overthink it you know houston's the better team here i think you got to go with houston as well um and next up, we got Iowa State. Oh, here we go. This is a fun one, too. We got a lot of fun Big 12 games this week. Iowa State plus three and a half at home against Iowa. I have no idea what to expect 
after that absolutely atrocious Iowa. Just did a front to football. Like it was <laughs> seven to three final score with two field goals and two safeties. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in my entire life. And it's the most Iowa thing ever. Only Iowa would do that. Just just absurd. And uh yeah, I, I have to think Iowa State. I'm again going Iowa State here. Give me the underdog. Um at home. I think so too. And Which is tough because they don't ever beat Iowa though. No, it, it's and it's it's also the same thing we were talking about. The like Houston, it lulls you to sleep that they nearly lost their opening game. It's the same way with Iowa. Like they were terrible and it's awful, but could they definitely come out and like Iowa State muffs three punts and Iowa kicks four field goals and and that's that's how the game goes. Yeah, definitely. So yes. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's tough. This is going to be a good game, though. I don't know what the under is. Even if the under <laughs> is like 31 and a half, I'm probably taking the under because oh, it's man. it's just weird. Like, I don't – and I like, honestly, though, three and a half points. As weird as it sounds to say that three and a half points is a lot of points, against Iowa, it's a lot of points. They, they don't win games big. They can't even be – it was what? South Dakota State, right? Yeah. yeah. Can't even beat them by 10. So. No touchdowns against their FCS opponent. Yeah, it's that's going to be a low-scoring, very slow game, but I'm excited to watch it nonetheless. Um, and then next up, West Virginia looking to bounce back. 13-point uh, favorites at home against Kansas. I think this conference is Conference game right here, right here off the bat, conference game. Yeah. So I think this is one that you don't overthink. West Virginia should win big, especially at home coming off a loss. I think they're going to be pissed. Yeah. I think there's so much, there, there's all this Kansas talk too much. Um, and talk. they won big, they won big and people were shocked that they beat Tennessee tech by like 40 points. And that's great. They were favored um, by like 35. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it's Mountaineers all day. Yeah. We don't need to spend too much time talking about why Kansas is going to lose a football game. We're all used to that. Um, all right, Oklahoma now. Or uh, why Oklahoma is going to stomp on some, you know, G5 team. Yeah, uh, don't need yeah. to spend much time on that. Oklahoma, 32.5-point favorites. At They're going to cover that. Game. They're going to win by 40. Yeah. And now here's an interesting one. Here you go. Yeah, Oklahoma State, 11-point favorites at home against my current grad school, Arizona State. Uh, I'm kind of bummed that this one isn't in Phoenix because, yeah. or in Tempe, I mean, because I'd be going hard for that one. Um, but I gotta say, as a new Arizona State supporter, I got it felt so weird being at that football game, like looking around and seeing yellow instead of seeing purple. <laughs> I was like, I don't belong here, like, this is not me. Um, but nonetheless, got a root for him over the, the Cowboys, but I don't think it's happening. <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about the slight question marks that Oklahoma State had against Central Michigan. I think another game at home, they're going to correct it just like the snap of a finger. They're going to be right. Up, they're not going to skip a beat. I think they'll be fine. Uh, Arizona State, sure, they beat Northern Arizona 35 to 3, but what does that tell you? Nothing. Um, they did get a major upgrade. I like Emory Jones. Uh, I think, although he's not Anthony Richardson, that's for sure. He's definitely not. He is still a a really good ad for Arizona State, and 
something they kind of needed. It's just this one's all Cowboys to me. I don't, I don't see it happening. As yeah, sad as it is, this is like a fake tricky line where like, oh, Oklahoma State only beat Central Michigan by eleven. Surely Arizona State is going to give them a better game than Central Michigan. No. No, no. Oklahoma State's going to crush them. It's going to, yeah. yeah, it's going to be three touchdowns. So, yeah, I, I'm Cowboys cover the eleven. It took Arizona State a quarter and a half to score a touchdown against Northern Arizona, who is really bad. If you didn't know, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and last but not least, in the Big Twelve, this is a big one, a really big one. Man, all the good games this week are Big Twelve teams. Uh, the Big Twelve has it loaded on week two, no doubt. Exactly. And that's Baylor on the road at BYU, and they are three-and-a-half-point underdogs, which I really don't know how to feel about this one because BYU, there were a lot of people kind of saying, like, oh, BYU is going to fall off, like take South Florida to keep it close. It, it was a complete blowout. Like, BYU looked amazing. I don't know what to think of this. I mean, so did Baylor in week <laughs> one against Albany. but yeah. Yeah, and it's tough, too, because there's some big injury questions at BYU. Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua, the receivers, their star receivers are both, like, questionable. Uh, Nakua took his took the first touch of the game, 75 yards for a touchdown, and then basically just, like, sat on the sideline the rest of the game and, and took his pads off and just chilled. Um, so I don't know if he's actually injured or – or what, but those are, those would be big losses if they're not in the game. And I think you would have to take Baylor at that point. Um, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Baylor. This is a really tough pick for me, but I think I'm leaning Baylor. Yeah. And, and also this is just gross. I want both teams to lose. I want <laughs> yeah. them to like, just disband their football programs at halftime, whatever. Um, yeah. News. I think, I, and, 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 and maybe this is like, because it's good for TCU's like conference schedule and it's oh, the big 12 and this is a big game. And, but yeah, I think, I think Baylor can go in there and win this game for sure. I do too, especially at, at, you know, plus money at plus odds. It's pretty good value, you know, as a, as the higher ranked opponent as well. Uh, that's, that's going to be a really good game. I think that's going to be regardless of who comes out of top, one of the games of the week, one of the best to watch. Um, and speaking of games to watch, Let's wrap it up with some non-Big 12 best games around the country. Uh, yeah, this- rapid fire here because the rest of, man, it's just, it's kind of a wasteland in week two outside of the Big 12. There's, there's not much going on. Yeah, we'll, we'll just go through these, give our pick, maybe one or two sentences wise. So uh, obviously best games for Big 12. First one on Friday night, we got Louisville at UCF. Uh, I'm going to go with UCF to cover the six and a half point spread because Louisville looked terrible against Syracuse, even though Malik Cunningham is supposed to be amazing. Yeah, I was that, that was that was the most shocking game I think of of Week One was how terrible Louisville was and how good Syracuse was. I don't know which is the accurate one, um, <laughs> but you know, another ACC team on the road against a G five team that can definitely beat them. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, I can't give up my Malik Cunningham priors, and I just feel like he's going to do something. And I, I'm taking the underdog on that one. I, I respect it. I mean, I do really like Malik Cunningham. I think he's a great player. But did you, oh, also before we move on, did you see that Sean Tucker was pleased with his performance? 
yeah. <laughs> you know those tweets? Yeah. Those are the funniest thing. I like so for those that don't uh, know, he, Sean Tucker, the running back for Syracuse, literally after every game, tweets Syracuse won today 34 to 7 against Louisville. I finished with 98 yards, 85 yards receiving, and two touchdowns. I am very pleased with my performance. Great way. It's like the most robot thing you could imagine. I don't even know, but it's so funny. I love it's like it. the Magic Johnson tweets. Yeah. yeah, it's like okay, it's not a good day unless Sean Tucker was pleased with his performance. Then you can go on about your day. Like, uh, also, right, he's so. awesome. So yeah, yeah. he's, he's gonna have good days. He could tweet about his performances yeah. all he wants. He's putting up those numbers. Um, all right, so next up, Tennessee on the road at Pitt. Uh, the Volunteers are six and a half point favorites. This is another tough line for me, but I'm going to lean towards Pittsburgh to cover uh, plus six and a half at home. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I mean, it's the same thing of like, okay, they, they nearly lost in a rivalry game, but they didn't. Is, is Tennessee actually going to be good or are they just, you know, yeah, they put up a bunch of points on ball state, but like, yeah, who cares? Exactly. Um, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Pittsburgh here. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and then next up South Carolina on the road at Arkansas and the Razorbacks are eight and a half point favorites. Uh, see, it, it seems to me like the market and just, the kind of general population has somewhat overvalued South Carolina just because Spencer Rattler transferred there. Um, and we all saw what Spencer Rattler did at Oklahoma, right? Literally getting chanted off the field by his own fans. So although I think he's a talented athlete with a lot of potential, his potential hasn't come to fruition. So I think it's a little bit too early to say that they're going to be able to keep it within eight points against Arkansas who just beat a good Cincinnati team. Uh, so give me, eight and a half is a little weird line, but give me the Razorbacks. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I like I like Arkansas. I think they take this game. I'm not a, I'm not a buyer on the, the Cock Commanders as the, uh, their new mascot. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. All right, and next up, Wazoo at Wisconsin, and the Badgers are 17-point favorites. Who did Wazoo play in week one? I didn't even see. Oh, man. It was somebody. They played maybe like Idaho. Okay. Yeah. So not much to take away. Yeah. Not much to take away regardless. But Wisconsin, 17-point favorites. That's kind of a lot. I don't know. That's a lot. And and it's a fun – I don't know. I threw this game on the list because I like the clash of styles. I mean, Washington State, Cam Ward's going to throw the ball around a lot. They've got a – They've got some fun receivers, and then of course Wisconsin Braylon Allen is is a monster. So, and it's it's in Wisconsin, so that I think the thought is they they have to just go out and dominate. But seventeen's a lot. I, I think yeah. I would take the take the points with Washington State here. Yeah, I, I completely agree, especially with like you said the style matchup. You know, Wisconsin's going to run the ball, waste some clock, while Wazoo's going to try and put up points as fast as humanly possible. So. 17 points will be a lot for that kind of slow paced offense to cover. Um, all right. And then back to the swamp again for week two, and this time sec matchup, Kentucky at Florida where the Gators are four and a half point favorites. I think, although I like Will Levis, I like the, I, the kind of meme and hype train around, Oh, Kentucky's a football school. Now they're not, <laughs> they're not a football school. Uh, and Florida should, cover i think they win by a touchdown or more 
I don't know. I'm I, I'm worried that the Florida hype train get off the Anthony Richardson tickets today. And, <laughs> Just uh, get them out, dish them out while you're up. Yeah, and because uh, this number is a is a weird number, and it feels like could. Odds makers think Kentucky's actually the better team here, and it just happens to be in Florida, and Florida's got a lot of momentum uh, and a lot of love from the public. So I think I'm taking the underdog. Give me the Wildcats. I see what you're saying, though. This this could be a bit of a trap line where the public is going to jump all over Florida after last week because, yeah, like four and a half is weird. I could totally see it ending up being like Florida 21, Kentucky 17, you know, and then you end up being like, damn. That half a point, like geez, yeah. but yeah, it's. I think that'll be a good game uh, either way. And then just a couple more. Oregon State on the road at Fresno State, um, and the Beavers are favored by one point. Which I think this will be a really good game. Oregon State surprised a lot of people with the way they played against Boise State. They looked pretty, pretty they, good. They smashed Boise. Yeah, they, they, they crushed them. I mean, yeah, very impressive win uh, in Week One. And to only be favored by one at Fresno State, and and Fresno State, lot a lot of reason to love them too, but uh, give me the Beavers. Yeah, I'm going with the Power Five opponent in this one as well, uh, especially at only one points. So, and then last but not least, we got Mississippi State on the road in Arizona, where Mississippi State is favored by 11 points. I'm not going to overthink this one. Sure, Arizona beat San Diego State. They have a San Diego State has a lot going on right now. We don't we don't need to get into it, but yeah. that program is kind of in shambles, uh, deservedly so. And Arizona looked like a semi what's competent program, which they haven't for a few years. They did bring in I think fifty new players, which is yeah an absurd turnover. So Five star freshmen that are that are making big plays, scoring touchdowns. Yeah, new quarter yeah. transfer quarterback from Washington State. Yeah, they they brought in so much talent that. Yeah, it was, it was nice to see them get that win. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I think you got to go Mississippi State here. You just Yeah, no no way. Yeah, you can't It's, it's all Mississippi much. State. It's all dogs here. All right. So, uh I think that that'll do it kind of for our week 2 look ahead. Um so yeah, like we said, both Anthony and I expecting a pretty good performance from the Frogs this weekend against Charleston State. We have them winning big. Um but again, don't don't knock the Texans, they got some athletes there. They got some dudes that will make some plays. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be it. Uh, appreciate everybody listening to this episode as always. And, uh, again, just want to say kind of thank you, everybody, for uh, these past few years. It's It's been awesome. I love this community so much. Uh, this, this job has really kind of pointed me in a direction for my career. It's the reason why I am kind of doing what I'm doing now rather than what I wanted to do when I first set out um, was just because of how awesome the interaction was, how awesome this community was. So yeah, thank you everybody for reading my stuff, listening to the podcast for the past few years. It's been an absolute blast and an honor to cover the frogs uh, for frogs of war. So yeah, with that being said, that's uh, that's going to be the episode and you will, we'll keep turning out content. I got, I still got a few more days left, so I'll, I still got a couple articles to go, but uh, you're yeah. on deadline. Let's go get it. Yeah, I'm on, yeah, I'm on <laughs> deadline. You guys can't get rid of me too soon, but alrighty though. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'm sure um, you know Anthony is gonna. Like I said, he's gonna keep doing great work. He'll probably 
figure something out with the podcast as to what's going to happen with it going forward. But yeah, uh, thank you guys for everything. And of course, go frogs. Go frogs.